What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by allowing your inherent goodness to take the lead? And not because you're a bad person, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you keep growing. Hey, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate Hanley, your host and the author of the book, How to Be a Better Person, which has 401 ways to make a difference in yourself and the world. This week on the podcast is all about planning with best practices and strategies for making space for all the important parts of your life. Today, I'm interviewing planning expert, Sarah Hart Unger. She's host of the Best Laid Plans podcast and a self-described compulsive list maker and life planner. Sarah's planning prowess has been honed through experience. In addition to Best Laid Plans, Sarah is also the co-host of the Best of Both Worlds podcast with Laura Vanderkam. She's a pediatric endocrinologist, has three kids, and is a daily blogger and a devoted runner. I'm so excited to have her here today so we can learn from her about her approach to planning. Sarah, welcome and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Yeah, me too, because I really want to pick your brain because I feel like you've got this planning thing dialed. (laughs) So I love sitting down and making plans. Where I fall down is keeping my planners and my to-do list current, which makes me curious. What kinds of planning routines or rituals do you use to stay on top of your stuff? That is a wonderful question. I totally agree with you that... All of the best products in the world can't make a difference unless you are able to use them regularly. And that means finding time to use them regularly. So I have a few, I guess, rituals in my life that help me to use my planning tools consistently. And I can share some of those with you. I once heard the phrase regular rhythm of review, and it's an alliteration. So it stuck with me. And I think that's kind of the key when it comes to keeping track of your goals and tasks and making sure that you're revisiting them so that you can actually plan them into your life in the right horizon. That is so brilliant. Regular rhythm of review. Is that it? Yes, I think that actually comes from Michael Hyatt, who does a lot of kind of planning and productivity work. But yeah, my regular rhythm of review consists of daily planning, which pretty much every morning before I work out, I sit there with my planner. It's quite early. I do admit I have an early morning routine, (laughs) just kind of cliche, but I do happen to be kind of a naturally morning person, so it works for me. And I sit there and I look at my weekly schedule, which I can talk about kind of the rhythms of keeping up with that, but my weekly list and kind of what I have to do that day is on my weekly view. This is on paper, but it certainly doesn't have to be. And that informs what I'm going to do that day. And I write it all out in my, currently I use a Hobonichi Techo Cousin A5 size daily planner. So I write out kind of what my schedule looks like. And then also the things that I've chosen to get done that are kind of extras that day, like things on my weekly list that I know I have to get to. And that is kind of like a rhythm that sets my daily routine. And then as you can imagine, that's not enough, right? Because like, where did that weekly list come from? And like, how is my planner up to date? Well, I mean, I think it comes from also having a weekly planning session where I always look at the week ahead and make sure I understand everything that's going on in the next week. And I have my own rituals for monthly and kind of seasonal planning, which I do in quintiles, which I can talk about if you'd like to as well. 
and the year. So basically every kind of segment of time has its own set of rituals. It sounds so much more complicated than it is. I literally (laughs) just did an episode that I called like my 10,000 foot view and described my entire system in about 20 minutes, like every single thing I do to stay organized. And it really does work for me. And I feel pays dividends in terms of always knowing what I have on my plate and generally being able to go throughout my days knowing what I'm focusing on and giving myself permission to not focus on everything else because I know I have it somewhere. Oh, I love that last point because that's kind of the gift of planning is that you don't have to keep it all in your head and you don't have to feel like you're working on it all at once. But I'm curious, there are a few steps in there, you know, the daily planning, the weekly planning, the monthly planning, the quintiles. I'm totally interested in that. I'm going to come back to that if we have time. But how do you make sure that you have time for all those different kinds of planning? Like, do you literally write planning down in your planner? (laughs) I don't. It tends to be more that I have specific times that I always know I'm going to do it. So I would say it's more of a routine. Mm -hmm. I know every morning before I go for my run, it's usually around 530 that I'm going to sit there and plan my day. I know that I tend to do my work-related planning session on Friday afternoons to plan the next week. That's a trick I totally got from my co-host, Laura Vanderkam. Mm -hmm. Like, look at your next week on Friday. And then I tend to do all of my, like, life planning, home-related, kid-related planning on Sundays. Usually Sunday afternoon while my kids are on whatever device they're on. So because they're anchored to kind of, like, specific things, I don't have to put that in my planner. Although one certainly could if they were trying to get those habits I also tend to, um, like when I know a new month is coming up, as we're recording this, we have a new month coming up. And so I'm like, oh, I need to make my monthly goals list. So I just, I did actually create September goals on my list for today because, so you're right, I guess I'm planning my planning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of it, the the pieces that maybe aren't quite so regular that you just do naturally. Exactly. So planning seems like an administrative task, you know, something that doesn't take up a lot of brain space. Maybe you could do it while you're watching TV, but decision-making is an important piece of planning. You know, you got to ask yourself, do I really want to do this thing? And if so, what's the best way to incorporate it into my schedule in a way that makes sense and that I'm actually going to want to do it when the time comes? So how do you go about deciding what you want to plan for? So, yeah, I would beg to differ with the idea that I've seen that in a few places like, oh, do planning when you're too tired to do other things. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly disagree with that sentiment. (laughs) I think planning deserves a fresh brain, a creative brain, because, hey, this is like your boss. This is you deciding what you want to do with you. This is important work. So. I guess I would just say that I don't think it's something that should be shoved into the corners. I think it's something that should be taken seriously, either as a matter of routine or as a matter of scheduling, and that we probably do need kind of all of our frontal cortex bandwidth to do it right. And when you're sitting there and you kind of have a ritual and you're kind of looking at the list of the kind of bigger horizon, like again, if I'm planning for the month, I'm usually looking at a list I made for the quintile or for the year. A lot of times you can start with like your end of year planning and then kind of go from there because as the year goes on, you're going to kind of be getting into smaller and smaller increments. But you do need that focused daydreaming time of thinking about what you want out of life at the largest horizons. And then that helps you kind of narrow it down later on, depending on what kind of planning you're doing, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I have actually gone as far as had like a planning retreat with my husband. I believe we went in like last November and really thought together about what we wanted to accomplish and experience and do with our kids and do at work over the coming calendar year. And so that was one way of doing it. And we really spent like two whole days 
not planning the whole time, obviously, hanging out mm-hmm. together, resting, having fun conversations, but then also doing some really thoughtful planning about what we wanted. You know, Sarah, first of all, I always welcome contrarian advice. This is, <laughs> We make room for all viewpoints on how to be a better person, but I jokingly describe myself as someone who is allergic to planning. And maybe I just haven't been thinking about it in this kind of like creative, dreamy way. So thanks for pushing back on that. I love that. And I'm also (laughs) curious, do you have like a staging area or do you you like write down things that maybe you are interested in, but they don't yet? Okay. Tell me about that. Yes. Okay. So what you mentioned is a classic someday maybe list. And I cannot take credit for this concept. Comes from David Allen, who wrote the famous book, Getting Things Done, which came out like in 2001, but it's been you know, broadcast read a million different times. I love David Allen's work. I would say I am most influenced by what he has done. Um, But I take a more kind of female family oriented spin on Mm -hmm. some of of his work. Anyway, um, he came up with the idea of a someday maybe list. And that is where you park things that are not actionable right now, but which you just don't want to forget about for the future. And I think a really nice interval to look at that someday maybe list is like every quarter quintile or every, you know, maybe every month where you're like, oh, that would be so cool. But like, I don't need that on my plate right now. I have enough on my plate, but at the same time, I don't want to forget it. And you can do this in one of a few ways. You can just have like a physical, like a folder in Apple Notes. That's actually where my someday maybe list lives. People Mm -hmm. would probably be surprised because they do a lot of my planning on paper, but there's certain things that I just want to last forever. And for me, that's better off being electronic. Mm -hmm. Or you could also like, if it's something you know you want to do but you and you want to revisit it at a certain time period, like let's say it's a conference you might be interested in going to, you don't want to figure it out now, but you know that like if you're going to go, you kind of need to be figuring it out by March of 2023. Then if you're using some kind of either physical planner or Google Calendar, you could put an entry in the beginning of March of 2023 that's like, think of decide whether you want to go to that conference. And then there, your loop is closed. You're not going to be sitting around thinking about that conference, trying not to forget that you want to go to that conference, your brain can like take a sigh of relief and know that like you're going to think about it later so you don't have to think about it now. That is so brilliant. I need to take a quick break, but we'll be right back, everybody. I'm When we come back, Sarah, remind me to ask you about the quintiles. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Okay, welcome back to my interview with Sarah Hart Unger of The Best Laid Plans, where we're talking about how to get better at planning. So, Sarah, you say that you do your planning on a quintile basis as opposed to maybe like a quarterly basis, which is something that the business world ascribes to. What is a quintile and why do you like it? I'm super proud of this idea because I feel like so many of the things I do are very derivative of others. And this one I came up with all by myself. Okay, so I am a parent. I'm a mother of three children, ages four, eight, and 10. Lots going on in the world. But my life tends to revolve around the school calendar to some extent. And because of that, the quarter system never really resonated with me. It was like, what's happening July 1st? Like we're, I'm, I live in Florida. So like we're out of school beginning of June, like the cut points just don't make sense. Mm. So I thought to myself, well, what would be the natural cut points? Some people do trimesters, which I kind of get that makes sense. But for me, I don't want to neglect January 1st, which if you're doing trimesters sometimes falls out of there. And it's such a natural beginning that I had to include it. So my quintiles are January 1st to spring break, which for us is usually the beginning of April or so. So that one lines up somewhat with the natural quarter. 
spring break to the end of the school year, which again, this is regional. For us, that's going to be like very beginning of June, but it might be different depending on where you live. The summer, because the time my kids are off from school has a completely different structure and feel. It may not have a different weather feel because I live in Florida and it's hot all the time, but it just otherwise feels different. It deserves its own quintile. The start of school is the beginning of quintile four. And then, yes, I could have continued it all the way until December 31st, but that felt too long. And I feel like it doesn't capture the magic of what I call quintile five, which is November 1st to December 31st, which is like celebration and reflection season. It's when we have, at least in the U.S., a lot of our major holidays. There's different religious holidays. There's Thanksgiving. You know, you're planning for the new year. For me, it's when I'm like really getting my ducks in the row and always thinking about the next year. So I really like having a fresh quintile in Q5. And so, yeah, those are my cut points. I think the system makes so much sense for those whose lives revolve around the school calendar in some fashion. And I love it because going straight from monthly to yearly is too much for me. And again, the quarters just didn't make total sense. Man, you are blowing my mind with this, Sarah. I love it so much because you're right. Summer is its own beast and the holidays are kind of their own beast too. And I also love this because you mentioned you love David Allen's work, but you have a different slant on things because you're a mother and yes, so much of um, productivity advice I feel is written by people who aren't taking care of a family and don't have yes. a gazillion balls in the air. So I'm really loving that. I'm so glad I asked. Thank you for sharing that. That is brilliant. And you need to take it to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> My quintiles planner for sale. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> so as a mom and you, you know, you work, you've got a team at work, you have other people who factor into your plans. So how do you get other people's input when you're planning? And then this is something where I get kind of tripped up too, is communicating your plans and making sure that everybody else knows what's going on. Yeah. So the primary ways in which I do that work, that's actually less critical than one might think. You know, I see patients all day, but everything's usually pretty immediate. Like, I don't feel like I have to be like, on March 13th, I'm doing this. I mean, of course, I'm going to send my days off to my manager, but that actually doesn't require that much coordination. Mm -hmm. Where there is a lot of coordination required is with my husband. And we do have a nanny because um, my husband is a physician as well. So we have a lot of work going on mm -hmm. and we need the constant, consistent childcare. So the things I do are, number one, I do have a shared Google Calendar that I use with my husband. I don't use Google Calendar as my primary calendar whatsoever, but if there's an event I need my husband to know about, he does use it. So I can mm. just create an entry, you know, CC it to his thing, and it'll go on there, and then he will know about it. That might include, like, something I need to do on the weekend that he just needs to be aware of because it means he has the kids, or it might be a date night or something we're enjoying together. So I do use that and share it with him. For the rest of the family, I actually rely on some pretty old-fashioned methods. We have a whiteboard that lives in our hallway, and it basically is our weekly blueprint, and I fill it out every Sunday, and it is like the key to what's happening that week. It includes every dinner plan. It includes every kid's activity that week. It includes, I've started putting on there, like, who's driving the kids to school on which days, mm -hmm. even which days I'm running outside. So my husband knows he has to choose the other days. I know he gets like this short end of the straw there. He gets, he gets the leftovers. <laughs> I'm sure it all comes out in the wash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works out. And then I'll put like, if there are certain like family to-do items, like I've had, I've had an item that's been sitting there for a few weeks. It's like, move the kids camp stuff to the garage. So I'll put stuff like that that's like a family nagging item. Mm -hmm. So that is one piece of the puzzle. And then the other that I've started to do is to keep like a longer range calendar on the fridge. I'm super non-fancy here. I just printed out some free monthly calendars right now. 
for like September and October. And I just have in there like any trips that we're taking, like any like deviations from the normal. And I also have to put my call weeks on there because those are usually times I need a little bit of extra childcare coverage and people know that I'm going to be very focused on my clinical job. So yeah, both the newfangled Google Calendar communication as well as old school whiteboard and paper calendars on the fridge. I love it. It's a melange. Yes. I'm curious, what whiteboard do you use? I've been in the market for one and I just haven't really found one that I like. I feel like this is where I need to create my own product Mm. because here's the sad thing. I love Erin Condren products and they had a great whiteboard and I would love to recommend it to you, but it's been out of stock for over two years now. So I really hope they're planning on bringing this line back. But if they don't, the alternative is that if you go to Etsy and you search like customizable whiteboard, there are a million pretty attractive options where you can decide how you want it laid out and you can even put your family's name on that. So I would say that would be my alternative go-to right now. But yeah, there's a there's a gap in the market for a great family whiteboard. I love it. Well, speaking of specific products, how important is having the right planner? Okay, so I love planners. I love different layouts. I love different papers. I love the experience of using like really nicely made planners. Like it makes planning fun for me. So if you're someone who just doesn't enjoy the process that much and thinks that maybe diving into better tools might help, it really might. For me, planning is like a tactile experience. I'm using nice pens. I'm using stickers. I'm using colors. Like it's multi-sensory. If none of that matters to you, I would also argue that it doesn't, you know, that is all optional. And some people do just fine with a completely digital method or a completely bare bones method, like a notebook. Other people like to, you know, create their own layouts with a bullet journal and just be creative that way. So I don't think there's any one right system. But if you want to deep dive into that world, I find it really, really fun and satisfying. And for me, it helps make planning a more calming and relaxing and fun experience. And you have many wonderful reviews of different planners (laughs) and your listeners write in and tell you about the planner that brought them peace. So if you're listening to this and thinking like, oh, maybe I need a new planner, you got to check out Sarah's website and podcast, which where can people find you, Sarah? Yeah, so I write almost daily at theshoebox.com. Shoe is my initials, S-H-U. So it's T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. And then I have the two podcasts, Best Laid Plans is about all things planning and planning adjacent. And then Best of Both Worlds is with Laura Vanderkam, who's a writer and time management expert. And we just talk about fitting all of the pieces of working life and family together. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is Kate with your tiny assignment. I really enjoyed talking to Sarah so much and I loved the most for me, the biggest takeaway was that planning is dreamy, creative time. It's not focused, let's get everything buttoned up time. So my tiny assignment, and I invite you to join me in it, is to approach planning with a creative mindset. Maybe you could put on some classical music or light a candle, or do something that kind of gets your brainwaves in a really groovy, free-flowing state before you sit down to plan out your day or your week. I actually tried this last night. It was a Monday night. Monday was a holiday, so it was kind of like a mega Sunday night. And I got in bed with my planner and my pencil and my phone calendar And I just mapped out my week and figured out when I was going to work on what I needed to work on. 
and it was really fun for me. It felt decadent to be doing it in bed. Now, I know that we're not supposed to do anything in bed besides sleep and have sex. Like we're not supposed to do anything productive in bed. But my husband was out of town and it was just like a rare opportunity to enjoy some quiet time in my bedroom for what that's worth. I hope you have some fun thinking about planning as a creative activity. And I hope that you will come back tomorrow when I am talking about when plans change. How to Be a Better Person's theme song, Left for Deadish, is by Junior85. The episodes are mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past five episodes and a well-chosen meme to your inbox every weekend. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com or you can tweet me at Kate W. Hanley, don't forget the W, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 